welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome to this episode of Blue Collar BS. This is Brad Herta, along with the magnificent co-host sitting in the great motor city of Detroit, Michigan, Mr. Millennial himself, a.k.a. Gen Xer, Stephen Doyle. What's going on for the number one bullshit guy? (laughs) That is true. That is a true statement. It is. It is true. I will not. I will not disagree with you. Thank you for letting me do the intro today, Steve. I know that's your trademark opportunity. Hey, that was fun. I switch it up. We switch it up. So uh, what do you want to talk about today, my friend? So let's talk EQ, a.k.a. EQ meaning like one plus one equals two. Well, yeah, you know, or something like that. Or what we really want to talk about is emotional intelligence amongst the generations. This is well above my pay grade. Well, you know, we're not going to talk touchy feely bullshit. It's emotional and intelligent. I am way <laughs> outside of my way outside my and comfort zone. The number one bullshit guy. <laughs> so emotional intelligence. Why one? What is it? Especially when we're talking in the blue collar space, because it is it is a hot topic in the white collar space, white collar field. But when we're talking blue collar, we hear emotional intelligence when we're on the shop floor out on a construction site and no one cares no one gives a shit what the fuck but at the end of the day when we're talking about having a higher degree of emotional intelligence at the end of the day we're talking about how well we're controlling what it is we're saying what it is we're feeling what it is we're thinking and how we're doing that one with ourselves internally but also across those that we're working with because we we should care about how the people around us accept our words and our behaviors no no okay we good. Don't really talk. <laughs> i just want to make sure that i was on the right page because yeah no fuck, it's a manufacturing floor we just make shit yeah we just make shit um we just pick shit up and put it down no what we're really talking about is how we convey what we convey and how our emotions like all the baggage we bring into the job site into the workforce all of that extra bullshit if you will that we're Number bringing one bullshit guy Number one bullshit guy. That's me. As we bring all of that into, as we bring that into the job itself, how that impacts others and the results that we achieve day in and day out. And what's really interesting is when we talk about it, not just in general, but we start looking at it across the generations, whether you're the boomer, the Gen X, the millennial, or the Gen Z, how all of those different generations, one, handle their own emotional intelligence, and also how well they handle what would what we is actually considered the social aspect of emotional intelligence, meaning your actions, your words, how they impact others in the work environment. All right. So let's, so let's make this really simple, right? I'm a simple guy as you're drinking your cranberry, strawberry mojito in a can. Oh my God. Seriously. Um, Hey, that's a millennial (laughs) trait. It's okay. (laughs) Drinking your mixed drinks in a can. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. It's the easy button today. So what is so what's an EQ score? Well, how break it down simple terms, what plus what equals two? Tell me what tell plus, so simple terms, emotional intelligence. So let's go back to five key areas. So five key areas. First one is the self-awareness, meaning we actually understand what triggers, what it is that makes us happy, what it is that makes us pissed off, who who it is that does all of that for us. 
So that would be number one. Number two is the self-management side. So it's how well we can manage those expectations. Like if we can't manage and we blow up with anger or we're bubbly and we talk a hell of a lot, all of those have a different outcome. And that leads us into the whole second group, which is the social side. So when the dishwasher gets loaded incorrectly to my standards and I get frustrated and pissed off and I slam the door and bang glasses and do those things, you mean there's an impact to that to those around me potentially that is untold well, or un, un, unwritten words or? Un- yes, absolutely. You don't think that your uh, that your wife notices that you get uh, a little huffy puffy if she doesn't load the dishwasher, right? Uh, I don't care anymore about that. But yes, in the past, <laughs> that was a yes. <laughs> Just bringing right? back. So if you if you've listened to the episodes, you know, or go back a few episodes and listen for the dishwasher. Yeah, <laughs> example. But it's it's all about. So the first phase is all about yourself, right? And it's it's really understanding what are those triggers, whether you're happy or you're sad, pissed off, you know, motivated to go crush shit and, and and accomplish something. All of those things have an impact, and it's first starts with your awareness, like what's creating that environment for you, who's doing that to you. Then we get into the management side. Can we actually manage the triggers, manage the emotions that come into play? Oh, I can ignore them. You can. That's managing them, right? That it, It's a way to handle it. Okay, good. It, it totally is a way to handle it. I mean, right or wrong, there's going to be an outcome for it. Just keep that in mind. Then, then we get into the whole social side, which is one, our social management how or our social awareness. How aware are we? So we've got the self side. We manage ourselves, but that has an impact to others. So the whole other component is how well we are aware of what are what we're doing, what we're saying, how we're saying it, you know, impacts others. And then can we actually, then the fourth component is how well we can manage the social side. So if we understand our triggers, we understand how to manage ourselves, we can understand an outcome. And if we can manage it, the whole thing with managing our emotions, what we say, what we do, what we feel it actually impacts others and creates a quote unquote culture, if you will, in the workforce and at home. So I ignored it and I stayed in the office. So I handled it. Okay, cool. Sure. Sure. So far, far I don't see a problem. So far, you don't don't see a problem. So, so far we've uh, slammed, got pissed off, slammed the uh, dishwasher, opened and closed a couple of times. People know we're mad and we just chose to go sit on the couch. Got it. Nope. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. Perfect. Perfect. So that whole thing, guess what? You Great. You chose to ignore it. The social side is guess who's pissed off at you? The dog doesn't care. The dog don't care, but there's somebody else that does. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> somebody else that's noticed that, yes, you are upset. You are choosing to ignore them. Have no idea why we are slamming doors and everything. They could choose to ignore it too. And guess what? Guess what happens? Well, I'm sleeping on the couch with a dog. It's fine. <laughs> it's, totally fine. it's totally fine. Day in, day out, as we continue to ignore those situations, what happens? Frustration. Well, yeah. Yep. Frustration, lack of trust, all those things. So so can that come out in writing? Like email responses? If we go back to the work environment, I just use the dishwasher example because we've talked about it before. But what about like in writing? Can we have EQ in, in writing? Can we have a piece of ourselves and tension and emotion and things like that? And, and can that come out in other forms than just physical and verbal? 
Yeah, absolutely. Any any written, any form of communication, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, written, non-written, any way you want to look at it, body language, it's all an impact of emotional intelligence has an impact on all of that. So if you want to write a snotty email, perfect. You want to write a passive aggressive email, perfect. You want to write a well thought out detailed email, so be it. It all has an impact into the audience. And if we don't understand the audience that we're writing to and the emotions that we're feeling, it can either get misinterpreted, misconstrued, blown out of proportion. You name it. It's happened to all of us. Oh, come on. Well, not me, but I mean, yeah, not you. I, I am the number one bullshit guy. So, right. no, it hasn't happened exactly. to me. So, all right. Um, well, let's play that out across generations a little bit. Let me go through this scenario uh, that I see play out in some of my clients' activity and, and some of my past work life. I got a boomer that's running the organization. Yep. I have the X that's in the middle management. Um, I got millennials that are either individual contributors or supervisors. And maybe we have a really young millennial or very old uh, Gen Z that might be doing some ind individual contributing work as well. Uh, the X has a plan to go forward with, uh, I don't know, we're going to, we're going to paint the paint all the safety rails this weekend. Sure. Uh, we're going to paint the safety rails and, and they're done do, that. They're going to be yellow. We're going to paint them yellow this week. What color yellow safety yellow. Of course. OSHA safety yellow. OSHA safety yellow. Perfect. That's for you, Ted Carew. Opportunity to do that says, okay, great. We're going to do it this weekend. Uh, Cause we're getting ready for the big open house. Um, the Xers just going through and, making all the motions, making it all happen. Boomer comes back out and says to the uh, crew, make sure you don't get any paint on the floors. We got an open house coming up next week. And the Gen C, he says he's the number one bullshit guy. And everybody goes, wee, woo, wee, woo. Maybe. Maybe. So, so, so that Boomer comes out and he creates that environment and does, does those things. What can we potentially expect? Now it's all variable. It's all, we're, we're playing out the story, but what's, what happens in that environment uh, potentially as we got a plan, we go forward and the boomer comes out and just gets in the way. So how let's, let's break this down even further. How does let's talk tone. Let's talk words used. How no, does no, the see, boomer see, no, Steve, you're missing the point. That's why I always ask people to tell me if I put it, if I wrote it down, and I use the words that I used, how would that go over in the court of law? Because I can't dictate, I can't capture sarcasm and tone when I write it. Technically, you can by the words you choose. No, no, so, no. That's objective. Uh, can all be argued. Just depends on what the definition of is is. Right. How, how can I be alone if someone else is in the room? <laughs> well, you know. Again, not a political show. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if, if we take out tones and words used, Let's just break it down into boomer comes out, makes a mandate, right? Makes a mandate, do this a certain way. How does that come across in the Gen X? All right, fine. Let's just get it done. How's that come out across in the millennial? Why do you want to do it that way? Sure. You want to do it that way? And Gen Z is like, well, when you figure out what you really want, come back and let me know. Pretty much. Right. And that's, going I mean, that's what, that's what I'm experiencing in the construction and the uh, manufacturing side. Let me know what you want done. Cause I'm not going to get caught up in the bullshit. And the millennial and the X are getting stuck in the bullshit turnaround story of mm -hmm. who's right, who's wrong. And the Z's just sitting back saying, tell me what you want, when you want it, and call me when you're ready. I got other things I'd much rather be doing than sitting here getting involved in your drama. Well, I'm going to get on my phone and, uh, you know, when, when the other two figure it out, then they'll let me know what I need to do. We're going to go make a TikTok video. That's right. With the number one bullshit guy. Yeah, okay. Where can people find this thing that you're talking about that you've brought to this show, this new character? 
<laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. You usually find them at the end of the bar. <laughs> drinking, drink, drinking his mojitos out of a can. Uh, all right. What were we talking about again? Emotional intelligence. Yes, I know. So we've got... <laughs> Sorry for the squirrel moment. Um, That's okay. There's editing involved. I know. I'm trying to keep it to a minimum. You're, but yeah. with the number one bullshit guy, it's really hard. Again, where do we find this? I said at the end of the bar. He's always at the end of the bar. He's number one bullshit guy. He do the wee woo wee woo. You were at a dispensary today, weren't you? Uh, no, I was not. Were you with one of your clients at the dispensary? No, I was not. Are you sure? I'm totally sure. I'd be really hungry if I was. I haven't eaten at all. <laughs> at least I'm assuming I would be, but I have no idea. It's not my thing. Not my jam. <coughs> all right. Shit, this thing is made in San Diego. No wonder. It's made by millennials. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the all mojito. Right. Gotcha. The, my mojito. <sighs> all right cranberry lime or whatever the hell it is <laughs> rum mint um shouldn't admit they're rum mint mojitos out of the can i don't care <laughs> it's a lot quicker for me to drink it because i don't have to make it all right let's back up all right so let's back up where were we we were at we were at the uh z just saying hey making tiktok videos number one bullshit guy in the end blah 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 Perfect. and then where were we going with that that's when you lost it. You lost the train and took it off the tracks. I did. All right. So the Gen Z guy says, hey, let me know what you want when you want it. And I'll come back and do the work while I'm going to go do my own thing. Because I, I value um, I value my time away from work. I value my personal time more so than I value my work time. So therefore, when you guys figure it out, let me know. I'll come in. I'll kill it. I'll get it done half the time. Uh, all you other guys, because I want to get out of here versus just turn this into a social event. Right. Um, how, how's that type of behavior potentially received up the chain? We talked about how, you know, coming in and being directive and dictatorial down the chain kind of works. What about that? Right. I only want to do the work. I only want to work what I want to work. I don't want to be here in the parking lot and park my car out here or drive my Uber or get whatever I need to get to be in the right. office for nine hours or on the floor for 10 hours when I only have three hours of the work. That behavior, that attitude, those things, how does that funnel upwards within an organization or culture from an emotional intelligence perspective? Well, when you think about it, we, we've stripped out, as you've explained it, you strip out the emotions. You look at the, what is the problem? What are the facts? You may who's not facts, know. But though, But who's, who's making the facts? Well, you, as you have said in that scenario, I don't necessarily know the problem. I'm going to figure out the problem. We're going to come up with a game plan and we're going to work it out. So from the fact standpoint is we don't know, we're going to figure it out and we're going to put a plan, game plan together by a certain time. So there are no emotions in that statement, if you will. Facts are, I don't know, going to put a game plan together and, and by this time. So, so when, you, when, when does the eye roll... And the, uh, oh my gosh, and the heavy size and all that come into play. Does that, does that play into the emotional intelligence of things as those conversations happen? Totally plays into the emotional intelligence because again, those eye rolls, there's a trigger for it. The size, there's a trigger for it. And what that does on the, the social side is people are reading that going, what the fuck? Okay. So you don't believe in this. You're not a team player. You, you're not going to get, you're not going to get this done. You think this is bullshit. So all of those things factor into it. And if we strip out those, if we understand and recognize, hey, if 
And it could be, hey, it's because Brad is talking. I'm going to roll my eyes no matter what, because I can't stand Brad. And, it's, not and an un, it's not an uncommon characteristic. I totally do have that not. on people. <laughs> right? I mean. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. I can see you on Zoom. <laughs> I know. Isn't that awesome? You're bringing in those emotional cues, whether it's an eye roll, it's a sigh. It could be, it could literally be picking up your phone and totally ignoring somebody else. It could be that action of saying there's a level of disrespect that you're disrespecting somebody with the eye rolls, the size, the picking up the phone, doing something else rather than engaging in what is going on. How can we fix it by that certain time? This is some of the areas that I've struggled with when teaching younger leaders and people as trying to read body language, right? There's those nonverbal cues that happen, right? You got your look left, look right, up, down, all those other things. You have the arms crossed, you have the laid back position, you have the posturing, you have all those things that that happen to be cues. And they're great generalizations. A part that gets missed and never talked about in training and education is that sometimes that's just a comfort position. Absolutely. It might just be, hey, I'm just very comfortable with my arms crossed and my hands underneath my armpits because my hands are always cold. Mm -hmm. That could be a very much just a standard position, even though everybody else is assuming that, oh, doesn't care. He's cold, not open to the idea, could give two shits. No, no, it's a comfort position. I know for myself, when I had my uh, when I had my team and managing folks, I, I personally love my chair sitting back and reclining. Uh-huh. And being able to cross my arms in the chair and just sit back and listen. It was a comfort position for me to be able to take in information. Three or four of my employees, I recognized that when I would go into that position, they shut down. Yeah. They immediately assumed that I didn't care right. versus it was something there for me. So I had to adapt to adjust because otherwise those conversations wouldn't happen anymore and, and go forward. And as they got more come, as we developed more better relationships and rapport, They finally understood and we were able to go back to that. But that became one of those very big things for me, for my nonverbal, just to be aware of because it turned off a lot of people and go, oh, you're just an asshole. Well, I might be, that could be, but it's not because my arms are crossed. Right. Because I don't agree with the shit you're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother story. And let's address the issue. Let's address those facts versus just the way I'm standing there or sitting at my desk getting ready to listen to you. Yep, absolutely. And it, and it happens all along. And the thing I was going to point out, though, is that you mentioned is that they had to form the relationship with you to understand you and understand that, hey, if my arms are crossed and I am leaned back, I'm actually listening. I'm just being comfortable when I listen. So I'm not sitting here yawning, listening to you drone on and on and on and on. Exactly. For those that couldn't see, I was leaning back, arms crossed and eye rolling at Mr. Doyle as he was chatting <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, the whole point is when we look at emotional intelligence, we look at it across the generations. A lot of the outcome is is the same, no matter the generation. It's being holding ourselves accountable for the feelings that we have, the thoughts that we're having, and how we react or act upon the things that we're feeling and saying. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to convey a certain outcome. We're looking for a certain outcome in the conversation, whether somebody else started the conversation or not, there's going to be an outcome to the conversation. And if we can be more tactful with the things that we can control, which is ourselves and our body language and the words that we use, we have a greater impact at having a conversation that leads to less conflict, less stress, 
and we can move about and do the things that we really want to do throughout the day. See, you're missing the whole point here, Steve. I'm just going to tell you what I want to get done and just go make it happen. Yeah, but I really want to interject because I think there's a better way. Yeah, see. I mean, I I truly think there's a better way. See, yeah, there's a better way. Yeah, and mint rum mojitos aren't a better way from a can. From a can. It's my millennial in me. Maybe there is a better way, but that's not it. There's still that. I don't want to call it arrogance or the the flippantness of of what emotional intelligence can bring to an organization because I was blessed to be able to have many, many teammates and colleagues and coworkers and peers that we we took a lot of training, did a lot of stuff. And it paid massive dividends as we were able to get comfortable calling each other out for stupid things along the way. And I guess the big example was um, we used to have this war room meeting. Every manufacturer, every organization has a war room meeting, right? It happens. Maybe it happens daily or twice a week or whatever. Our meetings were, uh, we had what, 40, 45 people in this room. And it basically just became a who's not, who's going to blame who type meeting. Right. Well, where, where's this gear at? Well, I don't have it yet because it's stuck in Weld. Well, when's it going to come out of Weld? Well, purchasing didn't get the ring in on time. And this didn't have, and so it didn't solve the client problem or the customer problem. Not at all. Us, didn't give us any answers to the production method. As a group of us middle managers and middle leaders and future leaders started going through some of our training events and different things, it, we were able to take it away from the blame to start calling out the, you know what? I don't care that it's not where it needs to be. You should know when it's coming to you. Right. So when did the person upstream from you promise to get it back to you? Well, they didn't tell me anything. Okay. Well, now we're going to hold an accountability there. Do you have all the material? Yes. Do you have the, and Mm -hmm. the leaders started being able to, we started holding each other accountable for that level of information. Right. Which then forced that downstream, which then eventually turned the meeting into basically a 25 minute meeting with about 13 people instead of about 40 people. And the leaders basically got the hell out of the way and let everybody else do their job. All the leaders were there previously was to protect their team, to not get blamed. So when it, the rumor yep. started going around and the sales team and this and that, it's like, well, you did this and you did No, 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 stop. And it was fantastic and amazing. But when we could call each other out and say, hey, that's bullshit. Number one bullshit guy. You can't, you, you can't throw that grenade out on the table right. and just let it fester. Use a name, come up with the data, Give me the facts associated with that, not just the, well, you know, purchasing is always late with their shit. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't do that anymore. Tell me what's late. Tell me the facts of what's late. What's been communicated to you? Yes, it might be late, but was the schedule adjusted? Was the MRP adjusted? Were the right. promise dates adjusted? Were they no. communicated? Um, oh, the system was up to date, but nobody ever told me. So why aren't you using the data that's in the system to manage your goddamn shop floor Instead of yelling and screaming at everybody else upstream, because we communicated the information to you. Well, you didn't tell me. F you. I didn't. Did tell we you. tell you or did you? Did we really tell you? No, we told you because we fixed the date in the system. And because you don't want to run your MRP system to update based on promises. That's why is that my fault? Well, because you didn't tell me. You didn't physically come over. I'm going to reach through this computer screen and strangle you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun with this. You know, I'm having fun with this right now. I know. Right? But but because you didn't tell me. You didn't come physically tell me. Yes, I updated the thing. How do I know it gets updated? I don't know because nobody told me. Run the report. You run it every day. Oh, we don't run it every day. Well, guess what? Maybe you should run it every day because <laughs> yep. it's not that hard to hit the button. Oh, but then we got to reschedule and juggle all this and all these reschedule messages. Okay, well, let's let's clean the data so we don't have all the reschedule messages then, you dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've had so much fun.
that's just an insight into, but, but we were able to have those meaningful conversations to get back to facts instead of throwing barbs at each other. Right. Uh, I guess is the bigger point to say, okay, great. We're gonna have these meaningful conversations and it's going to be not personal attacks. It's going to be, what are we doing for the best part for the betterment of the business and our customers, not well, purchasing pissed us off and the shop floor, they're just a bunch of idiots and the receiving inspection guys. Well, they're just slow and lazy, just right. eliminated all that. And it was amazing. We had about 18 months of, of just awesomeness mm-hmm. before there were organizational changes and things that happened, but it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was bliss. It was really was one of those unicorn moments in a career where it's like, okay, this is cool. This things is started gelling. Fun. Right. No, and that's awesome. So even though we've been hemming and hawing and saying this, right, it's, it's important. It's not important. And we're going to get a lot of manufacturing folks and blue collar folks. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's bullshit. It's not, it works. It's important. And it starts from the top up, stops from the top. It needs to start at the top and work its way down to have the practice because those individuals or individual contributors that have a high emotional intelligence, they're going to go find the environment that supports them. Absolutely. They're going to leave and vacate those positions quickly. And you're going to sit there, scratch your head going, well, why'd they leave? Oh, okay. Well, they left because they didn't get the support they needed. And and most people, most people leave because of leadership, not because of money, not because of anything else. It's because of the leadership around them. hundred and billion percent. Mic drop. Boom. Brad, awesome conversation today. Thanks for bringing up the emotional intelligence in the blue collar space. Not a problem, Mr. Doyle. You have, uh, you, you know, I think that mojito was empty. You might need a second. So I'm going to let you go get that and, and have an awesome rest of your evening, sir. All right. Thanks, Brad. You right, too. Thanks. Enjoy it. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Hurd. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.